Yes, people, welcome back to Albert J TV for another episode of Live Stories. But before we get into it, people, let's hit the intro. Yes, my people, footballing community, welcome back to Albert J TV for another episode of Live Stories. Hashtag episode 12. Joining me in the hot seat will be the legend himself, Kenny Ken. This will be showtime. Welcome back to Albert JTV. Yes, people, welcome to Albert JTV. Welcome to, like I always say, the South East London red carpet. Um, another episode of Life Stories. Hashtag episode 12. People, as I always say, obliterate the like button straight away. And for my audio listeners, this will be going on my IGTV later and for my um, Spotify and Anchor, so you can hear my dulcet tones, I like to say. But as you can see, bro, I've got an amazing guest with me for episode 12. I call him my big brother. Actually, you know what? With Kenny, I've got to say this. You're probably one of the few people that I didn't... I, for some reason, I kept missing you at Arsenal games. I thought, why can't I never find this guy? Then come New Year's Day, I've got a big shout-out for someone. I call him my name. I turn around, I see Kenny Ken by the armory. That's how we met, so... Kenny, thanks for your time, mate, for coming on the channel and looking forward to getting you on for live stories. Well, thank, thanks so much. First and foremost, thanks for having me on. Yeah, awesome. we have we have known each other for, for a while and I have watched the stuff you've done. You know, you've done really well. You know, you're working with Craig, who I know very well. You know, you're also doing a lot of stuff with Judges, a great guy, yeah. and Dan. And, you know, your, your content's very good as well. You know, we had a good stage backstage. But one thing we must remember is that yesterday was a very hard time for both of us. Yeah, you know, obviously you you lost your mum about um, six years ago, and I lost my mum in September. So, you know, Mother's Day is such as you know for the this is the first Mother's Day I've had without my mother. You know, obviously yeah. we're both like sons of Nigerian, strong Nigerian women, 100%. both 100%. Londoners. I mean, yeah. and you know, my mum was um, a massive influence on my um, love of football in general, and also my love for the for the Arsenal. You know, being born and bred in the you know, London Bar Islington. So it's a massive, massive thing. And, you know, it's, you know, it's something we did as a family watching the Arsenal. So it's very important. And obviously talking to you, you know, you, you're going through the same thing. Obviously you've had a long time to deal with this. And I don't know if it's ever going to get easier without um, both our mums because it, you know, it's still something that I haven't, I haven't come to terms with. I just, I'm in complete denial. Hmm. No, much love, Ken. Not, yeah, because I lost my mum in the first lockdown, mate. So April, it'd be it'd be ne come next week, it'd be two years, two years, mm. sixth of April. So mm. um, yeah, it's flown by, mate. And obviously, I didn't know about your mum to be honest, um, until I think I probably actually saw you in the flesh. But um, mm. yeah, much love to you, man. And like I said, you're right, Kenny. I think people say time's a great healer, but I don't necessarily think it is. I just think you you just get on with life and it doesn't get any easier. I don't think it matters whether it's a year, a couple of years. Go on, Kevin, sorry. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't get easier at all because, you know, there's loads of memories. And I think what's happened as well was that, you know, it came it came in quite a lot of um, drips and, you know, droves. It was like a whirlwind because lockdown, a lot of, you know, good friends of mine lost their lives, people I grew mm -hmm. up with. And last year we had the tragedies of, you know, Claude, Whose yes. anniversary is tomorrow? Oh and you wow! Chick, 
you know, Chig as well lost his life. Then you had Pro Bees, he's big on the Arsenal scene, the boxing scene, he's lost his life. And before that, you had people like Heavy D losing their life. So yeah. a lot of Dan's been a really, really, you know, precarious oh. time for a lot of a lot of people. And you know, my so you know, when you're going through difficult times, you know, like losing you're losing a parent, you think, oh right, I've got some people friends to talk to. And a lot of the people you you want to lean on, they're not there as well. So so it's not easy, but you know the good thing about it, the thing that's keeping me going is good friends. I've had some good friends from that, the Arsenal community have been fantastic. Obviously, yeah. I've never publicised it, except yeah. for to you now. So not many people in the Arsenal community know. And, you know, they're probably not going to know because they, they were just going to concentrate on the contact we're doing later. But they have been a massive, massive help um, to me. A good friends, cousins as well, people who are still there. So I can only say thank you. You know, I just want to say a big thank you to, you know, Lee Gunner, Lee Judges as well has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, those two, and Dan's been great as well. But, you know, obviously the two leagues, you know, as soon as it, you know, it happened, you know, they were like, they were like balls for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, 100%, man. You're right about the community thing. Because like even, I've, I've met you through Twitter. I've met a few people through um, social media. There's been some, there's been some good sides of the social media aspect, I'll say. Um, so, um, yeah, the love that's been shown to me in regards to just my channel and most importantly, obviously, losing my mum and yourself, you found that is... Um, well, the thing was... about it, right, is that there's arguments back and forth and people, in some people, you know, follow the leader and, you know, everyone wants to be part of the get-along game. But you look at the situation we had with, um, you know, with people who've lost their lives and, you know, the contributions people have made towards yeah. making sure they had a good send-off. You know, Claude, you had a guy called um, Daniel Bailey, who's, been, mm. again, goes to Eagle a lot. Obviously, I'd no, never agreed with anything that my methods, but I, I got nothing respect for the people that come out. And obviously, I just, you know, Oller as well, you know, he's gone yes. through a lot of worries and difficulty. And yesterday, you know, Brilliant. a great player, you know, called Nathan, Nathan Minas, con he was contacted me, he said, look, let me know the... By uh, Sunday the 27th, if there's any way I can top it up and then, you know, make sure he hits the target. And he did it. And that's yeah. just someone in the Arsenal community. And that's how we always look after us. So when people, you know, can be a bit facetious and cruel and horrible, just remember one thing, like, when you're down and your luck, you know, it's things like that, to, you know, makes you faith in your football club and makes you faith in the, the fan base. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. Go up a few notches because there are some good people out there. And sometimes, you know, when you think and you you know stop your infight and just think, you know what, that's a human being. Yeah, no, well said, Ken. Big shout out to obviously reach his target on his GoFundMe page for, um, to help with his residency. So, yeah, listen, Ken, you you echo this as a fellow Nigerian brother. When I saw that, that wasn't even a second thought to donate. Mm. Like this is man, this is a this is a guy's life you're talking about here. So, exactly. big up to Ola, man, hundred percent. But um, Kenny, no, right, let's keep on. Let's go on the show. Let's talk about what people want to watch. <laughs> Don't worry, man. Don't worry. The Kleenex is here, man, in case, man. But no, Kenny, glad to, glad to get you on. I'm going to kick off with the first question, man. Um, yeah, as I ask all my guests on Life Stories, your Arsenal story, mate, how it all began and your earliest memories. Hashtag the Arsenal. Hit me with it, Ken. Well, you know, um, my I was born in um, 1972 in... Um, at Liverpool Road Hospital, the Royal Free, which okay. used to be in Liverpool Road, then moved to Holloway Road, and then no longer exists because you know most people now are born in Archway. So 
born in 1972. And then both, basically what happened is that our first house in Albert Park. And then from yeah. Albert Park, we went to Cratch, Cratch Hill, the Holy Park estate. And then obviously where my massive Arsenal um, story, um, you know, commenced properly was in the Andover estate, just off Durham Road, Hornsey Road and Seven Sisters Road. Okay. So it was it was in Besson Walk, Arsenal Enclave. Before it, anyone says that the Arsenal pubs are the Tollington, the Trollpins, <laughs> and the Gunners pub, lot a load of rubbish. The Arsenal pubs back in that my day were the Duke of Edinburgh on Front Hill Road. Okay. And um and on Don Road you had the Moray. Then you know the Moray doesn't exist, but that's where a lot of the Arsenal Arsenal fan base, obviously yeah. from all walks of life, that's where a lot of the you know, people came from, you know, obviously we don't really like to talk about it, but I'll I'll just talk about certain um, memberships within the Arsenal fan base. I'll leave it at that, but (laughs) most, you know, um, you know, used to congregate around Nandover Estate, plan their away trips, going to purse, you know, get those little personal slips. Obviously I was a young kid. I didn't even know what it meant, but that's what they're talking about. And they used to go home and away, and that's they're a massive, massive influence. And then, you know, my next door neighbour, who sadly passed away during lockdown, David Head, he played for uh, Arsenal Juniors, and he played alongside um, Chrissy White, Raphael oh. Mead. Who were, so Raphael Mead used to play for Arsenal, scored a hat trick North London derby in '83. Yeah, he I used to see him a lot because Raphael Mead's from Hornsey Rise, and they used to go to the Tolentum Park, which is around the corner. But okay. mostly it was that. But it was my mum. She was just such a massive, massive gooner and a massive football fan, really. Is that, okay. you know, as kids, she used to talk about players like, you know, Cruyff, you know, um, Pele, George Best. She loved George Best. So I think it was, you, you think about, you know, is it a dad? Your dad's a, a football fan. It was really my mum. She was mad on football. Absolutely okay. mad. Obviously, football in the 60s and 70s. And obviously, that's how I became an influence. But, you know, she reads really well card because during my time, the best teams in the in Europe and in England, Liverpool, that are superb. Yeah. Side. I think Ooh. it's probably before your time. But I'll tell you one thing: if you think about Sir Alex Ferguson's Man United, yeah, well, that Liverpool side managed by Bob Paisley was better Different than that. They won, the, yeah. they won the European Cup, which is now the Champions League, three times, and they dominated English football. And when I talk about domination. You took you think about May United's domination. Well, there was times when Arsenal challenged them, and yeah. so, so Chelsea and Man City challenged them. But in those times, the seventies and eighties, obviously they had your challenge from Nottingham Forest, and they had Everton, who you know won it a couple of times, and you had the other time of Aston Villa. But it was Liverpool, so yeah. a lot of the kids, had it not been for their you know people in Andover Estate and my mum, we could have gone into Liverpool. Remember, Kenny Dalglish was one of the best players I've ever seen. Hmm. So my name's Kenny, Kenny Daglish. Remember <laughs> Kenny Stabson was just uh, at Crystal Palace. So yeah. it was a bit of a toss up, but you know, it was combinations of um, my mum, you know, obviously being our local side. And obviously at a time when you, at a time, Arsenal was very, very poor, by the way, you know. Yeah, tell people, yeah, yeah. So Terry Neal was my first uh, manager, although, that was, you know, that was early 80s, Ken, wasn't it? No, no. Theoretically, yeah. I was born in 1932, so it's the Bertie me, but I don't remember that because I was a kid. Yeah, so the course, first yeah. 
you know, manager I remember was Terry Neal. And by that time, we became a cup side. So that's how, you know, you had the 1979 FA Cup final year before we lost to Ipswich yeah. in 1978. And in the 1980, where we, we should have we should have basically won the FA Cup, the European Cup with his cup, got to the finals and we, we lost them. So by that time, you know, that was it. I was hooked. But we had some horrendous times, you know, before George Crane came along, you know. You know, we didn't win anything for eight years between 79 and 87. Yeah. And then George Graham came along. And I think that's where he, George Graham, not Arsene Wenger, is the real architect of the modern Arsenal. Because everyone talks about Arsene Wenger, rightly so. Well, yeah, we played well, fantastic yeah. under Arsene. But without George Graham reaching that sleeping giant, you know, we will never get wherever we were before. Don't get me wrong, he inherited some really good players from the youth team that, you know, Terry Neal and Don Howe, yeah. you know, like I said, manufactured. And obviously there are people like Johnny Cartwright and Steve Birchenshaw got these players coming through, you know, Rowcastle, you know, Don Howe gave him his debut. Tony Adams was given his debut by uh, Terry Neal. Then you had Martin Hayes all through the Terry Neal years. Martin Hayes, yeah. you had Niall Quinn as well, Irish Ladd. Obviously, you know him from playing with Sun and the Man City. So we had that nucleus of the team, and then we bought Viv Anderson. And I think that team, 86 87, for me, is my favourite team because oh, wow. okay. it made me feel that Arsenal were capable of challenging because at the time it was like Liverpool and just accepted it. Arsenal just happened to be in Europe. Yeah. But when you, when, when um, 986, you had those games against Tottenham. You know, the League Cup semi-finals, beating Tottenham at White Lane two-one in every game we played, and then we're the underdogs where we we lost the home leg against Tottenham Hotspur, Clive Allen, and then the replay. You know, um, Viv Anderson and Noel Quinn make it two-one, and then the replay. You know, Rowcastle gets the winner, and then after that, we play Liverpool. Because remember this, Ian Rush, nine eighty-seven. Before nine eighty seven, it was he was on loan um, from you know from Juventus because Liverpool bought him and sold him the year before. Yeah, and basically, whenever Ian Rush scored, Liverpool never lost. Mm. So we're going into the League Cup final at Wembley. I'm fifteen, eighty seven, isn't it? Yeah, eighty seven. Yeah. Your brother's about thirteen. We're trying to get tickets, doing everything we can. Basically, did everything we can, borrowed and. St- stole everything we could to go and get some tickets you know I won't tell you um, how successful we were but let's just say <laughs> let's just say I was I was very pleased with everything including the result and yeah. how we got there but the most important thing is that when Ian Rush got the first goal I thought we'd lose because Liverpool mm. never lose when Ian Rush when um, Ian Rush scores and then first, Charlie yeah. Nicholas came along and he was like, he was very much um, the 90s, 1980s version of Mesut Ozil. You know, wow. the big pri- price tag, the talent, the natural ability, but never used to do it as, on a regular basis. And he, 2-1, beat him 2-1. From then on, that's when I think Arsenal became a, b- a big club. Again. Yeah. Ken, before I go on to the next question, sorry, Ken, before I go on to the next question, when I don't know how much you remember at the time, but when we got linked with George Graham, what was the sort of feeling around? How did you feel, and what's the feeling around sort of the Arsenal fan? Because you came from well, you know the thing about it is that Arsenal fans were very. It's it's a funny question to ask it because at the time, 
obviously you had the Terry Neal years in 83 when a lot yeah. of Arsenal fans actually went to the town hall um, to get him sacked because obviously the season before that we got to two F, F semi-finals, the League Cup semi-final and the FA Cup semi-final 82-83 we lost to Man United. Yeah. Man United in the League Cup and then they beat us at Villa Park and then that season before Terry, when Terry Neal finally got sacked lost to home to Warsaw. Mm. Lost to under Coventry, mm. lost to under Watford. Liverpool spanked us. You know, mm. we, 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 the only thing that kept Terry Neal on a job is that we went, we beat Spurs in the League Cup, one um, round um, fourth round, mm. and then the next round, in order to try and get the quarterfinals, we lose to Warsaw, and that was it. Mm. And then, up, then it was West Brom. Then we got splattered by West Ham away, and then that was it. Terry Neal got the sack, and then. Donnell got the job and he kind of steadied the ship where we finished six that season, beat Tottenham home and away, even though Tottenham won the European, sorry, the UEFA Cup. And then yeah. the season afterwards, it was two seventh place finishes, but it weren't good enough. So basically, what's happened is that the ball, Terry Venables was massive, you know, left QPR, went to Barcelona, yeah. so he wanted to come back to England. So Arsenal Football Club, behind Donnell's back, were interviewing Terry Venables mm-hmm. yeah. for the job. So when you think oh, wow. about Terry Venables Tottenham and you think about Terry Venables England manager 96, yeah. Arsenal were trying to get him in 86. Yeah. But obviously, John Al found that, got the ump, left, Steve Burnshaw came over, and then all of a sudden no, Terry Venables um, decided he wanted to stay. So we were looking for a coach and George Graham um, came out. I think a lot of Arsenal fans at the time were happy because there wasn't this oh. kind of um you know, there wasn't this kind of like transition, massive transition from like what was the championship to the, to the, um, what is now the premiership. It wasn't a transition because, yeah. you know, George Graham learned his trade. So if you look at the situation, you think about it, in the 1980s, Trevor Brooking used to play for West Ham when in the second division, but he still played for England. He was still getting yeah. England caps. So it wasn't top that much. Well. Top, top player as well. You know what I mean? So when George yeah. Graham, um, got the job in eight, 86, May 86. A lot of us were happy because he played for the club. He won the double in 1971. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. he came to us from Chelsea in 66, left to go to Man United. Not the Man United um, of Sir Alex times, the, the very yeah. poor Man United yeah. Yeah. in 1973. And then um, he came back to the club and I was very excited because obviously what the first thing George Graham did, and I think a certain manager from the Basque, who with um, nice hair, not the other one that we got rid of, <laughs> yeah. the other one with nice hair. Well, we had, at the time when we, uh, George Graham got the job, he had Paul Mariner, Tony Woodcock as their f- ass forwards. I remember and them, also, I remember them names, I remember them names. Yeah. You had um, Tony Adams, you had Johnny Lukic and goal. So the first thing he did, he gets rid of uh, Paul Mariner and, and Tony Woodcock. Tony Woodcock went back to Cologne, Paul Mariner got a free transfer and then, he promoted them, Niall Quinn, as a centre forward, and he had Martin Ace, who were trying to sell to Huddersfield in 86, as that as the front two. And then, you know, players like Rocky, who Don Howe already gave, gave his um, debut anyway in that season before, he became a prominent figure. And then you had, uh, you know, you had Kenny Sampson, who was still there, the best left-back, I think, that we've had at the club. And then yeah. Adams got a more prominent role, because Adams, the centre-halves before George Crane came, although Adams was getting games, were Dave O'Leary and Tommy Caton. You know, God bless his soul, Scouser, yeah. Peyton Massey. So, George Graham promoted Tony Adams. And then that's when we 
we had a good team because remember we had Paul Davis in the midfield and we had Steve Williams, oh. who's local mm-hmm. lad, but we brought him back from Southampton. So we had a bit of a team and then, you know, we, we won our first game against Man United that season. You know, Tyler Nicholas scored and then we had lost a couple of games and then we won an unbeaten run for about 25 games. We didn't lose a game from like, I think, September all the way up wow. to January. And we were leading the table. We actually, you know, we were leading the table where we had Everton and Liverpool. And then obviously we fell away. And that, but what we did is that we beat Spurs. I know Holly's watching. Hey, then Holly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my, my Tottenham wives in the yeah. chat. <laughs> we beat, we beat, we, even though they won the first leg in the League Cup, we beat, we, we, we managed to beat Spurs, but we fell away from League. We finished fourth. So in that respect, that's when. I fell in love with the, um, with the players and the manager. Yeah. And I was always that with, with George Graham. There wasn't any problems. Trust me, when he first got the job, a lot of Arsenal fans excited. Yeah. Obviously, there was none of this Arsenal fan TV thing or one of these Albert's channel or, or Gunnarsson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But Arsenal fans that you spoke to on Andover, on the Andover estate, because obviously that was my hub, massive yeah. estate, which crossed the Arsenal. We loved it when George Graham got the job. We were happy because... That season, Spurs had a new manager as well because they got rid of Peter Shreve, Island boy. Yeah, and then they got and then they um they got um David Plea. So both Arsenal and Tottenham. Yeah, got, and then what's happened is that we were vi- fine between a you know third and fourth play because Spurs just had that you know with probably the first team I can remember that played one up front with Clive Allen and had the five midfielders. And they, they tried Cloppy France that played like that in '86. So, yeah. in terms of George Graham, I think a lot of Arsenal fans will prove right about him because you know what it's like. If if a player's if a manager's played for your club, automatically, yeah, nothing changes. You want him. Yeah. Yeah. You and George Graham. Even then, we knew how much he loved the Arsenal. This myth about George Graham and betraying the Arsenal gun. And leaving um, Arsenal, the guy at Tottenham was a myth. He got sat by the club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Even in my opinion, yeah. unjustly. And then he went to Leeds United. And from because he wanted to come back to London and the Spurs job was available, he went to Tottenham from Leeds United. Didn't leave us. Yeah, he has. He had Tottenham connections for a job. But Pat Jennings, um, this Spurs have come to us. He's a hero at Tottenham. They got a, a lounge after him. They love him. Yeah, yeah. And what about? And what about um what about um Sol Campbell who's left Tottenham to go Arsenal? Yeah, Spurs won't accept Sol Campbell, but they accept Pat Jennings. Weird, isn't it? Football fans. <laughs> Time to chat you, yeah, mate, telling me. But no, Ken, great stuff. That's why I got you on, man. Is you're in walking encyclopedia, mate. That's why that's what the word to get you on. But um, yeah, before I sort of move on to the next question with you, yeah, would listen, you make a good point. As fantastic as Arsene Wenger was, obviously. You know, I'm I'm 21 plus VAT, but George Graham was my guy and always will be for me. Um, mm. And what he what he was very good at, which I think probably why Wenger never won an European trophy at Arsenal, is that mm. you have to respect the opposition. Mm. You can't go to places like Bayern Munich and eight the San Siro and get beat five ones and four nils and come back. And, you, you can't do it. You need to respect the opposition and set up defensively better. And that's why I love gorgeous George and always will do. So, uh, Kenny. Well, you, the thing is, I speak to a lot of people who are Arsene Wenger, you know, who pro Arsene Wenger and very, 
and who disagreed with me, my stance to have Arsene Wenger removed and replaced as the manager. And their first starting point was George Graham. Oh, yeah, it was George Graham who got me into the Arsenal. You, us, uh, there's a guy from yeah, Poland. We have a love and hate relationship. We both block each other and save it. But I said to him, Yang, what, what's all this Arsene Wenger? What are you talking about, Arsene Wenger? It was George Graham. When I yeah, came, when I was in Poland and I moved to England, it was George Graham who got me Arsenal. So George Graham's got a massive influence. Yeah, 100%. On a lot of these people. Obviously, with the younger fans, because, you know, because younger fans, especially our fans, our cousins from abroad, get in, want to sort of um, learn about history. The first thing to learn about the history is we ate Tottenham, rightly so. We'll get to that later in the show because I want to <laughs> put a few pictures yeah, straight. Yeah. They ultimately hate George Graham because, one, they hate George Graham because of the fact that they feel that if you praise George Graham, you're, you're deflecting from Arsene's great work. No, no you're not. No, not at all. Uh, and they said, well, we went to Tottenham. He took a bung, so he, he's not one of us. He shouldn't have a statue. But that man should have a statue at the football club. The fact that he won in Europe, he yes. won league at Anfield in 89. He won, yep. his, his, his team in 91 was the, sec, was the second best ever Arsenal team to the 2002 team. The Invincibles is not the one best ever team. Arsenal side. Yeah. It was the third best Arsenal side. The best Arsenal sides are Arsenal Wenger's 2002 doubles winning side. Right, I'm Ben Grat, but his best ever side I've ever seen is the 2002 double winning side. Then George Graham's 91 team, which should, should have game. been if you know if Tony Adams was not uh, having an enforced rest during that yeah. period, yeah. and we didn't lose against Chelsea. Yeah, and then then the Invincibles, but the 90, but those teams produced by Arsene Wenger and George Graham, if you can morph Arsene Wenger. And George Graham into one manager, we'll be winning the Champions League about two or three times. Ken, you make a good point before I come as next one. Like in terms, you know, I'll, I'll save it. I'll, come, I'll probably come back to it. But Kenny, great stuff, man. Super stuff. Uh, right, let me get the next one on. Kenny, name me one Arsenal player from the past that you feel should get more recognition. Hashtag underrated. Paul Davis. Paul Davis. Paul Davis came from, came from a South London boy. Made his debut at 18 on Easter Saturday in a North London derby away at wow. White Lane. It's 1 2 1. Probably breath. got one of the best left foots, one of the best passes we had at the club, you know. But when you think of Arsenal midfielders, everyone talks about in the 80s Steve Williams, Brian, yeah. Brian Talbot, who got a lot of plaudits because of the fact that he had England recognition and obviously um, he scored in, uh, in the FA Cup final. In, and because he's a bigger name. But Paul Davis never gets any recognition. I mean, Paul Davis had a big career. He started at under um, Terry Neal. Then he was the senior player. Because remember, when George Graham came to the club, he's only 24. But mm. he had about six years first-team experience before George came. So even though he's 24, he was a leader. And he was actually a leader in that team. A quiet guy, never said much. You speak to any Arsenal players from the past, he never said a word. But you can never underrate his importance, especially when we won our first trophy um, in what I call our renaissance in 86, 87. Yeah. You look at it. Who was involved in the first goal? Uh, first, the equaliser, Paul Davis. You think about, you know, the involvements in, um, you know, even though um, he kind of um, vying for a place with, um, you know, Kevin Richardson in 80, 
89 and 90 before Ken Richardson, um, yeah. so he left the club. It was always Paul Davis, who I feel even now never got any recognition. Superb player, you know, should have got England recognition. Yeah, he was calling the ball, you know, he, he, he had a turn of pace, although people thought he had no pace. And he, he has so much time on the ball where he can get the ball, even though he had tackles screaming around him, you know, mm. he could just get the ball, look up and make a pass. He kept it so simple. You know what I mean? Yes, he wasn't as probably as naturally gifted as Glenn Oddle and probably Graham Ritz and Liam Brady. Yeah. But when you talk about Arsenal midfielders, and I'm talking about my day because I'm 50 years old. Obviously, yeah. we're going to talk about people like Vieira, Petit, you know, people, players like, uh, you know, Mesut Ozil, uh, yeah. um, you know, Kafola, all those sort of players and all that. Yeah. Feel, even the present players, if you want Thomas Party and Grant Jacker, and they all get a mention, but Paul Davis never gets well, a mention. Class. It's not, yeah. it's not just as a player, but it's his contribution, yeah. leadership, and the fact that he, he played a truckload of games for us. And if you look at our big best nights, he was in the squad for a lot of those periods, but no recognition. You know, the guy, if you think about it, got a, a League Cup winner's medal. He's got a, two league championships. Yeah. You know what I mean? And obviously he was he's in and around a squad in 94, yet no recognition. And plus he's coached the club as well. And I think there were times I think he took the club to a tribunal because obviously he wanted to get some sort of promotion to sit yeah. alongside Arsene Wenger, but they promoted Steve Bruce. So this guy's contribution to Arsenal Football Club should never, ever, ever um, be underrated. But I, underrated, I think it should be shattered from the rooftops. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, it's not a case of me thinking, oh, yeah, because he's, he's a South London boy and you're, you're an 80s boy and he's one. No, no, no. It's a contribution. This is not a token yeah, gesture. Ben, he's, he's a name that comes. He's a name that comes up a lot. So I'm glad you're, you're on the boy. Anyway, you must know yeah. about. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're South London boy. You must know about. You know the, the South London boys like um, Kevin Campbell, Michael yep. Thomas, yeah, Paul Davis. You know yep. David Rocas. God bless his soul. You Broccoli. know lots of yeah, South London boys yeah. who've, uh, who've who you know who've made a big contribution to us. Obviously. A lot of you South Londoners still think that Arsenal's a South London club alongside those <laughs> fans in the, who live in Middlesex. <laughs> I've heard the songs, mate. Even when I was, even um, at the clock end in the 90s, you used to have Arsenal, a cup, there was a kind of a South London kind of um, posse entourage. used to, when we were all singing their songs, they used to go, South London, Arsenal, South London, Arsenal. You know what I mean? I was thinking, hang on here, pipe down, man. We worked, <laughs> we worked our nuts off to become, get recognition of being a North London club. And you, yeah. South Londoners, and that take us back to um, 1913, pre-1913. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, great shot. He's a player that comes, listen, classy, mm. very elegant player, very classy in the ball, man. Um, Ken, my player, I'm gonna one player I want to ask you about quickly before we move on to the next one is um I'm a great listen, I don't remember I remember him well enough. I was quite young, but I loved Anders Limpar, man. Maverick Brilliant player. player. Excellent player. We we bought it, we bought him from Italian football, you know, Swedish international, Hungarian um heritage. Yeah. And for a period with that 91 side, because if you think about the 91 side, he came in at a time when um 
we did retain in 1990. Liverpool retained the chat. Yeah, you know, league, the, yeah. The yeah, yeah. And basically, what's happened is that we finished fourth, even third behind behind Holly's team, Tottenham. Yeah. And you know, we kind of fell away. You know, like we didn't defend our um, title in, um, properly, so we needed a bit of a revamp. And when we were, and basically, the main part of our success in '89 was Brian Wildwood on one wing. And you know, Rocky on the right right hand side, yeah. where we where we were very much a four four two side. So Arsenal, you know, went back to that where we got some wingers in, because obviously, you know, you know, like I said, if you, it's not a coincidence that in nineteen eighty nine and ninety one, Alan Smith got the golden boot. Why is that? Alan, what's Alan Smith plays with his back the goal, can hold the ball up, and then all of a sudden, thrives and crosses. So yes. he's getting service from Rocky. And then he's getting crosses from Brian Marwood who can cross with his left foot and his right foot. So in terms of like getting Anders Limpo in that 90, 90 to 91 team, that yeah. enabled that. And, you know, Smithy get a bit of service. And obviously you had um, Kevin Campbell, our okay. friend, come, 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 <laughs> Brixton boy, coming in the team where he, had, he injected a bit of pace into the team as well. But, and obviously Merson playing off um, of Alan oh, Smith. But, you know, Merson. that kind of... Stretching teams down the, you know, the left hand side. Alan's limp was fantastic. Plus, yeah. he scored he scored some really good goals for us as well. So thirteen goals that season, Ken. All comps yeah. he got. Yeah. And when people talk about ninety one side, everyone talks about boring, boring Arsenal. We were the top nah, league goal scorers. Let's not forget when we won the league in ninety nine. The reason why we won the, we won the league on um, goal difference is because we scored more goals in Liverpool. We scored exactly. seventy five. 73, well Liverpool 65. So when people talk about boring, boring Arsenal <laughs> under George Graham, let's go and have a look at the games that yeah. season, 88-89, and look at the 90-91 team. We battered teams. We, pum- we pummeled them. T- yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, we did. Yeah. You think about Wenger's size in 2001, 2002, even that double side in 98, and you think about the Invincibles, right? The football they're playing. Well, we're playing football like that under George Graham. Yeah. I promise you. We were like a machine, a machine. Liverpool mm. couldn't handle us, even though they mm. had individually better players than us. Obviously, Man United uh, were nowhere that time. Yeah. And but the football we played, brilliant, was everything. So we could, if teams wanted to have it with um, George Graham's sides, yeah, we'll have it. We'll put a foot in. If teams mm. want to sort of um, play long, yeah, we can cope with a long ball team. If, if you want to. You know, score goals from the corner. For instance, there was a time when you know it was um, Brian Wildwood, then Anders Limpar, corner flick on by Stevie Bold. Tony Adams will go and head it in, or vice versa. So that's how we, we could score goals like that, or we could score brilliant goals from um, our individual players, like you know the Rockies, and you know Marwood in '89, and then Anders Limpar. So the, we played really good football. That time, yeah, the yeah. football was pretty average. Um, in '93 up until about '94, when George Graham was forced out, yeah, yeah. I give you that the football was quite boring, well, horrendous. Well, really. Yeah, but, it worked great. But football we played in '89 and '91, and Anders Limpol was definitely a f- part of that. Love in him. Love him. Yeah. Is what you know is where I always will argue the toss about that '91 team and Arsenal Wenger's. Invincible team, although I yeah. think that the best team I've ever seen is the 2002 team. Mm. No, fair point. Like... Listen, yeah, no, fa- <laughs> no, fair point. Listen, 
as Arsenal fans, we cannot help when we're born. But at the same token, mm. Kenny, I re- like I said, the 1990-1991 side, what, what did we concede? 17 goals that season as well? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We didn't, we can't, and that was that was when Tony Adams was in prison for about six weeks when he was in Chelsea. Chelsea Nick. Yeah, yeah. he's in Chelsea Nick, and you know, little you know, time when you thought Liverpool could see if they could, um, you know, capitalize on not having their best our leader. They could, yeah, they didn't capitalize because guess what? We we still had David O'Leary and we still had Stevie Bolt. You know what yeah. I mean? And you know, plus obviously eighty nine. In goal, you have John Lukic, like little wiggle. I don't know if anyone's told you about John Lukic's little wiggle. So when John Lukic was at the club, at the club, he used to do a nice little routine for the um, the home fans. So when he used to come to the North Bank, we used to say, John, do your little wiggle. So I'm not going to do it now, but it's a nice little wiggle. And even when he came back with Leeds in 1990, 91, yeah. he still did his wiggle. We could try to get David Seaman, Seaman to do it, but... David Seaman, lovely guy. But you got no rhythm, mate. <laughs> Go on, safe, man. No, Kenny, great yeah. stuff. Yeah. Let me fire in the next one, man. Keep Kenny, keep Kenny, keep going. Right, Ken, your one favourite football moment, footballing moment as an Arsenal fan and also your one favourite moment as a non-Arsenal footballing moment. Whatever all do you want to go, mate? I'm going to go as an Arsenal fan, right. A lot of people are going to think, right, he's going to say 987 when mm. obviously... Uh, Rocky, 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 or um, winning at Water Lane, bloody Holly must hate me by now. Or <laughs> Liverpool, or LFC fan on notice. Uh, I'm going to talk yeah. about um, um, 1987 Cup final at, at Wembley. Right. But actually, okay. my favourite Arsenal moment isn't even 1979 because even because that was the whole state thing. It was actually 1980 when it, it was a toss up between Paul Vasson scoring the winner in. Um, the Stadio Cominale, when wow. we drew 1-1, we drew 1-1 at home in the semi-finals of the European Cup Winners' Cup against Juventus, you know, um, I think Betica scored for them, or, or Dunovic Cabrini or Betica, and then yeah. um, 88th minute, no one gave us a chance. Paul Vasson, you know, part of the squad, never really played games for us, gone and got the winner. But that's not my favourite moment. The favourite moment, I don't know if anyone's told you about this, there was like oh, a oh. marathon in 1980, where we got to the FA Cup semi-finals. So in the FA Cup semi-final, one semi-final was Everton versus West Ham, where obviously Frank Lampard's dad was um, scored a winner in the, the replay at Ellen um, Road. And then we played Liverpool. So we drew near what Hill, near at Hillsborough. Then we had a replay a few days later, 1-1. Then we had another replay at Villa Park. And then we had another replay with a draw. And the then... Day. Yeah. And, then, and then basically, I think it was the Thursday that I can't, it was in my, it was probably late April, May, that we went to Highfield Road. Yeah. You know, I don't know why we didn't play at Villa yeah. Park. We played at Coventry Stadium. Don't ask me why. And we finally won 1 0. Brian Talbot scored the win of a header across from um, Frank Stapleton on a turn. Brian Talbot header. I've never seen him do a header before. We went 1-0, and I think that was my greatest moment because I think finally, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, we finally beat the best team, you know, for me in the in the in the world in Europe, although not the forest in 90s by that time in the European Cup winners holders because they won it yeah. in 79 and they retained it in 1980. Yeah. yeah, wow. Back to back. 
Cluffy, still a great, even though he loved the sauce, he was a great manager as well. So Good for me, that's that. my yeah. favourite moment. But the reason why it's very poignant is because when I talk about Brian Talbot, he played 70 games that season. 70 games. Wow. We played yeah. 70 games in the League and Cup. That season, so you're talking League Cup, FA Cup, the Football League, and the Cup Winners' Cup. We had 70 games, and the only player to play every minute in every game was Brian Talbot. That's why... I've, and I only realised that a few years later when I went through the Marshall history. But yeah, that was my best ever moment. And obviously, I thought, right, we're going to win the FA Cup because we're only playing West Ham. That's yeah. only West Ham. I mean, second division West Ham. And then we got Valencia. All right, yeah, that's going to be odd. Because, you know, they had players like Mario Campes, you know, Ooh, players like that. Yeah. So and we played in yeah. Brussels. So that could have gone either way. But we, you know, we had Don Howe's um, air coach and Don Howe's one of the best, you know, like, one match coaches in football, you know, you know, if every um God bless his soul is not with us anymore, but every coach and every player will always talk highly of Don Howe. Wimbledon, yeah, when they won the FA Cup in nineteen eighty eight, yeah. who was their coach? Who assisted um, Bobby Gould? Don Howe. Don Howe. You're an well. Yeah. But yeah, for that then you know, losing at West Dan Cherub Brooklyn never scored a header in his life. And then that was it. <laughs> We, we had nothing to show for that excellent season. Very exciting. Yeah. But we won nothing. I mean, you know, don't worry. There's a, there's a club down um, Seven Sisters Road. You get on a 279. <laughs> get, get on a 279 or 259. We're experiencing that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what about non-Arsenal non football? Uh, the non-footballing non moment. Right. Tough one. As a kid growing up, it was it was when Brazil won the FA Cup. Sorry, won the World Cup in '94. Because oh wow, okay. Whenever 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 you think about football, whenever you win the, watch the World Cup, you obviously if you because we're brought up in this country, we're brought up to you know get the fervour of supporting England. Obviously, people with Italian heritage or Irish heritage or Ireland never got there until Jack Jack came along. But you know, if you think about people with um, Italian and and Spanish heritage, that was obviously. They consider us to be Spanish, especially if you lived in working class enclaves. You'll support Spain, you wouldn't support England. But his second team was always Brazil. So yeah. every time, you know, you'll get the World Cup and you always pray that if England didn't win it or the country that you were aligned to didn't win it, you hope Brazil will win it because you love Brazil. You know, it's not the fact that the football they play, the Samba beats, the players like Zico, Socrates, Eder, you know, Serginho. Kareka, all these yeah, great, yeah. great players. And then it's the fans. Every tournament Brazil comes, you just see all those, you know, green and gold with the sort of um, what sort of the blue ball. And you think that's just Samba football. So, mm. you know, one of the best games I've ever seen was a 1982 um, game between Brazil and Italy when Brazil had the best team never to win the yeah, World yeah, Cup. Brilliant. That was very good. You know, and bloody Paolo Rossi, two years exile for match fixing. Scores a bloody hat trick, breaks my heart. And then in '86, it happens again where the Brazil lose some penalties. Not a great side of '82. And in 1990, you know, Canicia in the second round. So in '94, when Brazil finally do it, it was a great moment because I think every little kid wanted to, everyone, little kids who love football, wanted to play like Brazil, especially yeah. if you've got, you got Afro Caribbean influences, especially yeah. Af where everyone. 
doesn't want to pass the ball. They want to dribble. And, you know, you know how we used to go, your dual play got air, 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 air. <laughs> you know, yeah. we air, air, air. You know what I mean? All those yeah. kind of sort of like things. So Brazil winning the world, even though they weren't at penalties, and even though they were very much a functional team, you know, when they had Dunga as captain, Mario, Roberto. Bobeto, although Bobeto's not as naturally gifted as Moramario, yes, but they, no, yeah. you know, they had those sort of players and they had like strong players, you know, in defence and everything. So Aldair was in yeah, 99, yeah. But they had some yeah. a good functional side, you know, they what you know, like I said, they beat Sweden in, in the um, semi-finals in da- I think it's in Dallas where Romario scored a toe poke goal. Good Pass Swedish guy. Yeah, good Pass Sweden's another functional side. And the, in the final, um, that was when a, a young um, Nizario de Lima didn't get on, um, won in World Cup without getting on. But that's when the, the first introduction of um, the original Ronaldo. But for me, that's my best um, sporting moment, Brazil winning the World Cup in 94, because they finally done it. Yeah. No, Ken, great shout Mine, quickly, I've said it people on Life Stories before um, with Arsenal. Um Mine is and still is um, 1994, mate. Beating Palmer in that Cup Winners' Cup final was a top, top, top Palmer side. Italian football mm. back then was a complete hot dog. Oh, definitely. You talk, you talk about players like Musi, Apolloni. You yeah. know, you had Paglulu in goal. You had um, um, you had players like Aspria, Sola, Brolin. Brolin, yeah. You know, yes. And you had Sensini, the Argentina, and them oh. centre-half as well. Yeah. Who, who won the Copa America in '91? Um, so they had a superb side, and it, it was like they were, there was this guy who owned Parmalat, um, you know, milk. Suddenly yeah. came to the money, and he, he put money at the Palmer. They became like a top top side. Yeah, and then no, when the money ran out, they all, a lot of their players went to Lazio <laughs> <laughs> and, and Internazionale. You know what yeah. I mean? But they had a yeah. top side. No, he did. And my f- non-Arsenal footballing moment, for, for me, Ken, this is an easy one. I've, I've actually mentioned this quite a few times. Um, seeing Nigeria win that Olympic gold in 1996 was incredible. You know you know what? that You, you think about the teams they beat in the world, innit? The teams Oof, they Mexico beat. You know, Mexico quarterfinal. Yeah. Brazil semi-final. Brazil semi-final. Final, yeah. Yeah. Who, who, not, who, who was, Ken, not just who that was, though, mate. Sorry, mate. Not just that as well. People have to remember with this Nigerian side that we had some top, top players playing in Europe. I mean, mm. I think Freebro West was at Ox Zero at the time, maybe, can I'm not sure. Um, George. Like Amakachi. Philly, yeah, George. Amakachi. gets all the world dates. Amakachi. Yeah, Amakachi. Was Yukini was playing? Because I know Yukini was in 94, but yeah, Yukini. Yeah. He might have done. I know, I think Sunday Alise and um, oh, yeah. Victor Kaber was... The, Top yeah. side, Kenny. Top players playing in Europe. And you know, you know, you know the guy. Was you know the guy who's um, Chelsea's um, sporting director? Was Emanalo? Was he in one of those teams? Oh, I'm not sure. No, Michael, I know. I know. I know Babi Yaro, Yaro, yeah, yeah. I think it might have been a bit early for Babi Yaro in yeah. that tournament, but um, Michael yeah, Emanalo. Kenny, but, yeah, Nigerian football was up that time. Cool. 94, 98, mate, was a, was incredible. Them four years is is brilliant. But yeah, those are my moments. But Ken, I'm going to fire into. Bit of a change of subject to this question, mate. But um, bit of a bit of a double loaded question. But um, a gear change in the life yes. story. Great to get your great to hear what you got to say about this. But yeah, also your experience as well in terms of the sort of social media side and YouTube and Twitter football side. But what would your what would your advice be to anyone thinking about starting a channel or 
being involved in terms of football, in terms of Twitter and YouTube. Hashtag have your say, Kenny Ken. Well, most importantly, one thing you've got to do, you've got to remember one thing, right? Don't forget your mates who you speak to every day. Because they're the ones who are going to back you. They're the ones who know you and they're not going to doubt you. There's a lot of people who, who, who are on social media and they tend to, um, they're what I call sharks. They know what needs, what is successful on that platform and what's unsuccessful. They know who to follow who to, and, and which group to align themselves with. Invariably, they align themselves to people who are very popular. So they tend to go with what the majority say. So if the majority have one view, that's the, that's the methods they will use. So you can't take it seriously. Don't take it personally. One thing is, do not think that these people are your friends. They're not your friends. Because the minute you're ostracised, you won't hear from them. They'll unfollow you and they'll they'll join in the public execution. You've seen that yourself. I've had that. And people who've passed away have had that. Also, most importantly, if you're setting up a YouTube channel, one thing you need to realise is be a quick learner. You have to be a yeah. quick learner. Yeah. Learn the technology quick. And if when you get something, i.e. technology, make sure you, if someone shows you, they ain't going to show you again, so make sure you write everything down. Most importantly, one thing you need to realise is that no one's going to help you. Your, your competitors won't help you because at the end of the day, if they're doing this full-time, they don't want anyone to steal their ideas because yeah. this is their money. Most importantly things, what you've got to learn one thing is that successful people know how to, are successful because they know how to be successful. They know when awesome. and who to align themselves with. Hmm. They know what doesn't work and what's not successful. So if it's not successful, they cut it away and dump it. So for instance, these up and coming people you may help, don't take it too personal, get too attached to these guys because they may align yourself because they you may know someone with 100, uh, 1 million subscribers. You may be yeah. friends with someone with a big account. So they're getting with you because they want you to introduce them to someone directly or indirectly to that account. And then once they get that link, you won't hear from them again. And then what will happen is that you, they won't normally, oh, yeah, can you post this for me? Can you help me out with this? Can you help me out with that? Oh, can you come and show? You won't hear from them because they've moved on. That's how successful what people work. They're very, basically, your industry is full of users and abusers who basically, what I call them, are food critics. Like they taste a dish to see if it's yeah. cooked properly. And if, it, if, it, if, it, if it's cooked properly, they'll swallow it. If they don't, if it's not cooked properly, they'll spit it out. So that's what you've got to remember with social media. And especially when you're trying to do this, is learn quickly because no one's going to help you. No one's going to help you. The only time you're going to, you're going to work with successful um, YouTube channels is if your channel success yourself because they want your followers to come over to them. And vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Right? So all those people who get on programs like, um, you know, Sky TV, remember, they've only got on there because they've seen that with the fan channels, IAF TV, it's no yeah. secret that people people with bigger accounts weren't getting the recognition that they probably, their subscribers deserve because TV weren't interested in them. 
So what they've done is they've looked and said, right, Tiffy are not interested in, in, in this geezer and that geezer because maybe they use colloquialisms or maybe their language ain't great or maybe they're not complimentary towards the club. So they're going to watch someone who's complimentary towards the club or Arteta and said, right, I'll do that and I'll stay on. You notice that everyone who goes on, on Sky Sports are always complimentary about the club, even though even when the club win, loses or draw and they're contrary out a manager, you watch it. You go on Lads Bible. They're, yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they, they, they don't even believe what they're saying. But that's what, you know, TV and the mainstream and these big commercial companies want, 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 want at the moment. They don't want discord. They don't want people getting out of balance saying Arteta out or Wenger out. No, no. That's five years ago. They want people to get on who are fan friendly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nice. You know, that's and that and that that's the advice I give to everyone. It everyone is. If you've got an alternative view, then don't even think of going to mainstream because I won't have you. They won't touch you with by barge pole. Yeah. To be honest, you have to be an actor. You've got to be all things to other people. But remember, there's only very few people who are successful. And the reason why the um how do I say it? the margins and the volumes are very small it's because yeah. one, they work at it and they, it's not, you know, pick up and leave it. Yeah. What they'll do, they'll live and breathe it. They'll yeah. study what's right and they'll study people. Remember, successful people put their confidence into you yeah. so you can help them. until you stop being useful. That's why very few people are successful. Mm. No, Kenny, great words. Kenny, I'm going to say my little piece, you might want to come back in again, but obviously you was aware of um, my situation probably the end of January, early February. Um, and what, I, what my advice to people um, from what I've seen on the platform, um, mm. more so in terms of probably doing the YouTube side of it in the last, probably two years come June, but let's say effectively yeah. two years is that you can be accountable for your actions, but also you can't be accountable for other people. So in regards to myself, I collaborated with a particular person since November 2020. Mm. For some reason, that particular individual decided to go and forward on private conversations, which were made public by other YouTubers. Now, yeah. people say to me, Albert, why would somebody throw you under the bus like that? Um, I have a few reasons for it. I have a few answers for that. Um, for me, what it is, people need to kind what it is, what I've noticed, Ken, right, with certain people, when they say things like, oh, well, you know, I haven't done content for a while because, you know, everybody says all the same stuff. Absolute rubbish. The mm. reason why you're not doing content anymore is because you're not where you want to be with your channel. You're not making any financial reward. So I'll wake up one day, someone who's who's relatively, I've got a small channel, very small, very small subscribers. You know, I've, I haven't got no special endorsements with any brands or whatever. People look at me and think, okay, this guy's been on bigger channels. He's been asked to go on bigger channels, for example. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not where I want to be, so I'm going to throw him under the bus. And that's exactly what happened a few weeks ago. And to add even further on top of that, Kenny Ken, they couldn't get me on one angle, so they went down another route because people close to me who, have, who actually vouched me, look out for me and actually care about me said to me look we've been hearing certain things how 
you've gone around harassing females on the platform. I mm. said, what? And the thing is, when I think of... When, so when people go and throw out certain words on the, a social media platform, know what you're talking about. And what I mean by that is, when I think of harassment, go and look up the cases of Jeffrey Epstein. Mm. Go and look up the case of Harvey Weinstein. Come mm. back to me and tell me to my face, tell me what harassment is. Albert, one thing I've got to say to you is that one of the buzzwords that you've got no defence over, one of the things, you've got to remember one thing, right, in social media, in any kind of media, whoever gets their story out first is the person to be believed. Now, how much you defend yourself, now, how much you, 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 you mean, the fact is people are going to believe what they want to hear. I know what people are saying about me. To this day, people still think that what happened in the AFT offices, even though I have no part of AFTV, that I was laughing when we lost against Chelsea in the Champions League, um, sorry, Euro, Europa League final. Are they serious? Yeah. I love this club all my heart, but because yeah, some guy has got it out there, people are going to believe it. And then what will happen is, is that people you think are going to defend you will, will believe it. Because guess what? A lot of people on social media are our followers. They don't want to upset the big followers. You know, there's a lot of people who are on social media who need to get over themselves. 100%. Yeah, 100%. because I think that if, if someone contacts you on social media, answer them. If someone sent you a message, answer the message if you can. I don't see any reasons why some people who who think they're celebrities don't answer their, 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 their panel. And I think that's the problem with the social media as such, is that the minute at the moment, one that we got a lot massive, massive cancel culture in this country. Hundred percent. And, and, and basically, it doesn't matter what political spectrum you come from. You, you basically, you're not allowed to make a mistake. You're not allowed to have a misunderstanding. If someone's accused you of something, and they got their story out first, and it's got to thousands and thousands of people, you've got no defence. Well and that's and that's when I always say to people, don't take this social media seriously. Do not neglect the people around you, your friends, who know you, well who said. know what your voice sounds like, mm. who knows when you're laughing. Don't neglect them and, and go to these people on social media because they don't bloody know you. What they're doing is massaging your ego. Oh, look, I've got, I've got about 1,000 followers. Oh, aren't I great? Aren't I happy? I've got 15,000 followers mm. on Twitter. I've got 10,000 on Instagram. So what? So what? Mm. Unless you treat these followers properly and answer them and integrate with, inter, integrate with them and discuss football topics and give them a time of day, don't you dare boast about your followers. What I do is on my Instagram, if anyone wants to chat, I'll cheat to talk to them. The reason why I talk to them because I love, I love football. And I love talking to people because you know what? If someone's made an effort to ask me, speak to me, and sort me out, I'll speak to them. Not everyone's like that, yeah. but that's the that that that's the problem we have on social in, in social media, is that there's too many people who who want to cancel you. Yeah, well, they want to try to cancel you. So, for instance, the minute the minute words like. Harassment of women. That's it. You can't no defence. That's it. You're out. Yeah. I mean, 
you can yeah. lose your job and everything. For instance, yeah. these accusations he makes against you. Supposing some, some someone who you work with who's got the ump with you, yeah, find read that filth. Yeah, they could have gone, they could have put you in problems with your work. And the yeah. people with social media they don't understand the damage they do to people's ramifications. Hundred percent ramifications. What they do is that they just think, oh, oh, let's put this video out so I can get. Um, about 50 followers, new followers, and and then get another 50 in the next day, or see how many likes they get. They think it's a game. Yeah. What sort of people go when someone, um, if someone's in a fight, a mate yours is in a fight, or someone's getting arrested, don't go and break it up, or don't um, go and um, see if they can get some up. Who films these things? Yeah, Who? Yeah. What are these people film? getting this thing up? Oh, let's film it and then put it onto YouTube. Knowing full well that Man. one, yeah. you've done nothing. You, that one, you've done nothing to help that person. Two, mm. that person could be in someone who's had a bad day, but who could lose his job and his whole livelihood because you went on your phone and went, mm, "Look at me!" And what did you yeah. do it for? Oh, so I can get more followers. Views, oh, my phone yeah. stopped ringing, so I put that on my on my thing. Oh, everyone wants to know me there, and then some yeah. sh- pork chop from the Daily Mirror, and everyone would go. Oh yeah, uh, is it possible? If it oh, can we use your um, photo, please, in your um, video, please? We'll give you the credit because you might use it. And it's not a case of if you say no, I still use it anyway. But you yeah. think that you're famous, and what happens? Three weeks, two weeks later, everyone's forgotten about it. Your no one gives a monkeys about you. Then all, and then but that person's still feeling violated and feeling like um, like he can't get out of bed in the morning. And that's the thing mm. with social media. It's you can't put the genie back in a bottle, but remember one thing, right? See it for what it is. Enjoy yourselves on social media. Don't forget your mates, your real mates, and interact with your followers. If someone asks you a question, bloody answer it. If someone asks mm. for your advice, bloody answer it. Because guess what? Some of these guys on there, I have no one to talk to. Mm. They see you as someone they've they've got to know, even if you don't know them personally. So, and they may have problems. So help them. Use your your social media thing for the greater good. Yeah, well we're all human. We're all going to react. And one thing we need to realize with social media, I'm talking about all you contact creator, creators as well. Remember one thing, right? You haven't got media training. You're not trained for this. You're human. Hmm. So just remember, remember one thing. When you go into these things, remember, think and count to 10. Because whoever, whenever you've got um, a social, a, a YouTube channel, you're one video away from getting a hundred million, a million views. Yeah. You're a video away from losing everything. 100%. People sharks. People yeah. sharks. Mm. I mean, watch what you say. Right. Don't put anything in writing and don't put anything on a WhatsApp message or anything, just keep your mouth shut, speak to people in public. I'll tell you what, if yeah. you speak to someone in public and have a conversation with them, you know, they ain't got time to bloody record you. Yeah. <laughs> unless they're, yeah, unless, nah. unless, and it's well unless, said, honestly. Yeah. Unless they're a pork chop or a wazzock. And, and that's the thing. One of the things about social media is, is the trust has gone amongst your own. Ken, you know, also, uh, to finish up on that for me, was the next, I said this on, I, I, I when I did my uh, content on my channel sort of addressing the, the the witch hunt that took place a few weeks ago. I said, look, mm. some of these people are the same people that would tweet hashtag be kind when Caroline Flack took her own life three years ago. 
Yeah. And yet they'll still they'll be part of the piranhas that will go for somebody. It is well, the hypocrisies are incredible. Well, 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 let me, well, I'll say this, I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this all the time. People, because they uh watch YouTube, they watch their uh, Netflix, they watch their uh, Amazon, they watch their BBC TV. You you for some reason we identify with celebrities. Yeah. If a, if a celebrity dies, we start crying. We never met them. We start crying because we identify with them because they're in our lives. They entertain us. You know, we think we know them. But most importantly, because they entertain us, either on EastEnders or on the football pitch or even presenter, they're in our living rooms all the time. So we feel it. We start crying. So in Carolyn Flack, um, uh, lose a life. Anyone you don't know, lose a life. Be kind. You look at a lot of people who, you know, who are used, say, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And all these other things matter. But, and they say, oh, yeah, we're all together because of what's happening in the United States. But you look at the people who say Black Lives Matter, they probably wouldn't give a toss about what's going on in their, in their cities. You know, people from um, deprived backgrounds who yeah. can't get a job, who can't, um, who can't get housing, who basically, you know, live in areas where basically society are trying to kill them off. You've got a poor mm. area. Every every um, area, a working class area, has got about five kebab shops, three chicken shops, and the McDonald's on one either side of the road with the KFC. Yeah. But you won't sit in Guildford in a nice middle class area. You see gastros and everything, healthy stuff. So in that respect, people are not upset about that. And invariably, people from working class backgrounds, maybe you say black or moving, live in those sort of areas. But no one talks about that. But they identify with a slogan. Yeah. Or they identify with a celebrity, be kind and blah, blah. Yet you're willing to kick Claude down. My mate Claude didn't do nothing. You know, we try to explain that the remark that made by Swan was to do with something that's Chelsea and Spurs. Chelsea and Arsenal fans, the West Ham fans, the DVD. But because he yeah. came off in the 94th minute and he's he's used the word off, that's it. No yeah. explanation. Boom. Cancelled. Mm. No benefit yeah. of that. That's it. Cancelled. Mm. You, you defend him, you're cancelled as well. Mm. Be yeah, kind. Yeah. Be kind. He's one of your own. You wouldn't get a bigger Arsenal fan than Spurs than Claude. You wouldn't get a bigger mm. Arsenal fan than him. He's a no, you mean him. this guy, this guy lives and breathes Arsenal. You know, lived and breathed Arsenal. But they say be kind. Well, what about the geezer, geezer, geezer who's on, on your doorstep who you knew? Or what about mm. well said. Or you, you look at you look at you know certain um GoFundMe's. Big, some certain big accounts and didn't 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 get involved, didn't promote it, didn't 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 even help contribute towards it. But they're mm. ready to talk about situations, you know, situations um, happening in the United States, or use big kinds. But you don't. But when one of your own needs your help, silence. Yeah, well said, well said. Couldn't have put it better, mate. Ken, listen, that's why I got you on, man. Um, 
particularly that kind of question, it's it's um I like to get people's thoughts and opinions about social media because everybody has something to say. But listen, I would I want to get your points on that. Um yeah, thank you for your private messages and support, um, which is much appreciated, trust well, me. The reason why reason why, because I could see what was happening. Yeah. I could see that people were you people latched on to a word and an accusation which you had no defense over. And because and because your voice, someone's put your voice on, right? You're not always like that, but you've got acts get you got exasperated, right? Yeah. Which we do get exasperated. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. You got exasperated. You probably had dealings with the person concerned and wasn't favourable to yourself. And you think, right, I've, you've had a bad day, but you're not allowed to have a bad day. You're not allowed to be exasperated for one day yeah. or a few days afterwards. You know. That's 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 the thing, but you've learned now. Remember the people who you know you and who you yeah, know, 100%. and remember this thing, right? If you're gonna take social media seriously, interact with your your um, guests or people who link with you, and if if you know and talk, don't because when grudge and try and find a problem because when people bear grudges, they do things without thinking. And the person who did that was probably thinking, why the hell did I do that for? Mm, Kenny, you know what? <laughs> who knows, man? Who knows? Well, yeah. Knows? Well, he's, he's not, well, 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 if he hasn't benefited from what he's done and he hasn't got the ju justified um, the attraction, traction. Yes. attraction, then he's wasted his time. Because I haven't turned against you, have I? No, you haven't, Ken. I feel like I'm you know, no. Craig hasn't turned against you, Simon Arsenal. You know, no. obviously, Miss Skeevy hasn't turned against you. So, what mm. that achieved, what it said. Mm. It's mad. So, people, like I said, anybody wants to get into YouTube, listen, there are some positives with social media. Believe me, there are. It might not sound like it after well, me and Kenny. Kenny YouTube, work hard. Yeah. Work hard. Yeah. Put content out every day. One thing I'll leave you with, and all you YouTubers learn something, right? Because I'm not a YouTuber, I've got no, I'm not your, your competitor. I'm never going to be achieved, be able to do this. I've got this nice, you know, posh camera and everything, all right? <laughs> camera, yeah, yeah, all right. Very posh cam microphone and everything. It's posh setup, but I'll, I'm so cack handed, I'll probably break it in about a month's time. It probably won't be there. One thing I always say, and this is really good advice. Yeah, if you want people to take no notice of you and they're ignoring you, stand in front of them, and keep shouting. Which means content every day. You've got a YouTube channel, you want to do it through time, three videos a day. Daily. Get your stuff out there. Know the times, no thing. You know, because if they don't if they don't hear from you, they're not gonna know you, they're gonna forget you. So just keep shouting in front of people, scream, grab them by the arms, you know. You have to be constant at this this game. Constant. Don't get down if you you know, one of your videos only gets 50 views. You know, and keep that, at that's it. The key thing. That's the thing. If you're I, know, just chasing... I, know, I know it will get you guys down that you've worked your nuts off. You've got all the, you know, mud cons. You've got the, you know, introduction. You've got all the sort of like tags and everything. You worked your hard about it. You're really excited. No one watches. Keep at it. Hmm. Keep at it. No, well said, well said, Ken. Love, love to pieces, man. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll take it back to 
the footballers. That's what I got Kenny on here for. But thanks for that, mate. Great opinions, man. But um, let me get the next one up. Let's fire it in. Name me one non-Arsenal player, past and present, that you would have liked to have seen play for the, the Arsenal. Plenty to choose from, mate. Good shout. Great shout. If you think about Liverpool players, right? The best three Liverpool players I've ever seen. And the reason why I always use Liverpool, forgive me, Arsenal fans, for using Liverpool, because that is my <laughs> that is where basically my reference point. Because yeah. if you were growing up in the sort of 70s and 80s, there was only one team, Liverpool Football Club. Oh, every team, every team wanted to be like Liverpool. Everton, when they had their success in 85 and 987, in fact, if you go from 84 to 87, models themselves to Liverpool. George Graham modelled himself in Liverpool. You know, Aaron models, no matter whether Sir Alex likes this or not, I'm going to knock Liverpool off their effing perch. What you did at Aberdeen and what you did with your yeah. man United is based in Liverpool. They're the blueprint. Yeah. They're the blueprint, all right? So what Liverpool used to do, in the 1980s. Everyone said, what was Liverpool's secret? I'll tell you what Liverpool's secret was, because John Barnes blabbed it. What he did is Liverpool never trained you. All right? There was none of this, like, you know, you know, blackboard, or you want whiteboard, or that bloody yeah. old... I, don't, I ain't got a problem with the word blackboard, by the way, because I was brought up on blackboard, but now it's a whiteboard. Call it yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's none of these, like, technical coaches or philosophies... Liverpool never trained you. So basically, what it did is that they never bought young players. What it did is they bought players who've played in the first division for three or four years, who got experience. So they've joined, if they came to Liverpool at the age of 23, they would have played first team football for four or five, three or four years. Johnny Barnes, Peter Beardsley, yeah. and all that. And then what will happen? They'll work it out and learn for themselves. And they had those kind of players. Hence the fact that was the boot room secret, and that's why they were the best. So when you talk about Kenny Daglis, the best ever players, one of the best British players I've ever seen. I mean, mm. Hunter, he scored, he did a lot of Celtic and he won a lot of Liverpool. Trust me, he didn't have much pace, but he had a big backside. Yeah, he did. Seriously, <laughs> he could see a pitcher. He could score goals. Yeah, he could get in right positions. He was Peter Beardsley before Peter Beardsley. Wow, and good reference. Good, good reference his, point. His, yeah. his, his kind of... Um, Partnership with Ian Rush, yeah, in, in, in a, was was phenomenal because when he first came to the club, he replaced Kevin Keegan, who went yeah. to Hamburg in '77. But every kid, even though you were, even though you loved the Arsenal and you supported everyone, everyone, every other club, it was Liverpool, your reference point was Liverpool. Yeah. Kenny Dalglish, everyone wanted to be Kenny Dalglish. He was one of the best British players ever. You think you look at Liverpool's best ever players, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Kevin Daglish is number one, and John but Johnny number two is probably like Johnny Barnes, or and I Keegan. suppose they put Gerard there. But you know, I could have chosen any Liverpool player during that period. I liked kept Kerry, you know, Terry Keegan. McDermott. I loved Terry McDermott, you know, midfielder, bit like Frank Lampard actually, because you look at Frank Lampard means at Chelsea, the midfielder who could who basically who was an attacking midfielder can make late runs in the box. Terry McDermott was the everyone talks about Frank Lampard and David Platt. Terry McDermott was doing it, you know, 30 years before then. He yeah. was the original Frank Lampard, the original David Platt. Terry McDermott, he's a great player. And you've got Jimmy Case, 
great yeah. player. Sammy yeah. Lee was a great player. Phil yeah. Neal. Good you know, shout. That, yeah. that, that Liverpool team was a machine. So when you yeah, talk yeah. about non-Arsenal player, I always look at that Liverpool side. Kenny Daglish, one of the best Brilliant. players I've ever seen. I'm not allowed to... There's a couple of players I'm not in allowed to say. <laughs> We're in the present. Holly, be, Holly wants me to say it, but I can't say it. I'm not allowed to say it. I'm sorry. Holly, I, I love to right. say it. Not on this platform, man. Not on this platform. I can, I can, I can get Albert, message Albert, but I'm not saying it on this platform. No, don't, don't, Kenny, don't. And, and growing up in North London, what I will say, Holly, is that on Andover Estate, there were a few Spurs fans on the estate. And I'll leave it at mm. that. <laughs> good shot, Kenny K. Good shot. Uh, let me see. Let me see. The last question. People, big up people in the chat, by the way. Thank you for your interaction. One more question. This is a good one, actually. Um, name me one non-English footballer, past and present, that you that you have enjoyed watching play or did watch or did watch play. Sport for choice. Well, Kenny Daglish saying English, but I'll go if you give me another <laughs> one. All right, no problem. One of the players that I I enjoyed, non-English player, past and present. You know, tough choice, isn't it? There's so many. Kenny, it, so many. Could it be an Arsenal player? Could it be any? What player? What, what's um, the criteria? Arsenal really one. Does it have to be Arsenal, obviously one Arsenal. Arsenal. One Arsenal then, and then like right. non-Arsenal. The best yeah. player I've ever seen at the at the carpet is Thierry Henry. Everyone talks about Dennis Burkamp being the best ever player for Arsenal. I respect that. I fully understand it because Dennis okay, yeah. is one of those players who, who basically, if you if he was blinded, he'd still be our best player because he did he he saw he you know he sensed things. People say he saw things that before he knew where the ball where phenomenal Ian Wright and Thierry Henry where to go. He knew that. Another thing is he was he's a tough bastard as well. Yeah. I mean, he looked like. <laughs> You, you, he looked like George Root, the Melky Bar kid. <laughs> Seriously, when he first yeah. came, he was like the Melky Bar kid. Season afterwards, I mean, he had just as many selling offs as Patrick Vieira. He was an old mm. bastard, you know. Second season, um, you know, when you know, Bruce Rock got in a the team, then when you know, like first, um, Stuart Houston and George, you know, sort of Arsene Wenger came in, he started doing the weights in it. You weren't messing around with Dennis, Dennis mm. could have it. Yeah, don't just talk about the silky skills and you know the, the great goals that he scored against Sunderland, the great goals against Barnsley in that 97 90, um, eight season, and also yeah. the goal against Dabby Sass and all that. He was a yeah. tough man, he was. He was. Dennis 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 if you wanted, then if you if you went in a room with Dennis, right, you're both coming out marked up because Dennis will mark you. Dennis was yeah. nasty, yeah. So don't 100%. anyone ever say Dennis Burkamp wasn't a nice one, but for me. Vava Vum. Whenever mm. T.O. and Ree put on an Arsenal shirt, I never once worried about anything. Yeah. My blood pressure was low as an Arsenal <laughs> fan. Good shot. Yeah. I thought we were always going to win. Yeah. He, I don't know. He, he changed the way centre forwards play their football. 100%. And that's the biggest compliment I give. Yes, Dennis, I get it. I shake your hands. It's a t- it's it's I'll, basically. I'll get, like, I'll, get, I'll get the Dennis argument, but I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's basically, it's basically like if you look at it like that, it's it's basically. See my fingers; they're both in line with each other. There's not anything in it, but for me, on a personal preference, it's de- um, it's. it's um, but in terms of like now, and the best player, you know, players I've seen. I've seen some really good players. I've seen Maradona, 
you know, I've seen Messi, I've seen Ronaldo, and they all yeah, Ken, sorry to cut in, sorry, Kenny, sorry to cut in, bro. How good was Michel Platini? Michel Platini was a genius. Michel Platini was actually a, 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 a he's basically a, a goal scoring midfielder. He was a number 10 hmm. who, who, but he's but had an extraordinary goal scoring record for a number 10. Yeah, extraordinary one. And, you know, he basically won the 1984 European Championships on his own. He got nine yeah. goals. Nine Oof. goals. Nine goals. You know, you think about it when um, in the semi-final in 84, when they're losing 2-1 to Portugal with about a couple of minutes left. Michel Platini wins it for him. Great, you know great I mean? commentary from John Watson, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that hasn't so, heard it, yeah. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Plat, you know, Tigana, Platini! You know, I mean, that's, that's folklore, yeah. isn't it? That's European yeah. folklore. But, you know... I think I still think that everyone says Ronaldo and Messi. I I I, I always go Ronaldo because of the fact he's done it at any other club. But in terms of like the best ever player I've you know I've seen. Obviously, I've, I've seen really. To be honest, I don't know, man. It, I hate to say it. <laughs> it's, a it, be, it, it it's, it's a tough one because I tough so way. In terms of like best defender that I've seen. Non-English non defender, non-Arsenal defender was Jap Sam. I think there was a, a yeah, time when yeah, when we played, he was, he was flipping. Yeah, there was a time when Man United, but it's two-one in um in two ninety-nine two thousand season where I thought that centre-half performance was the best performance I've ever seen. So yeah, Sam. But in terms of player, for me, because it's in my lifetime, yeah. Diego Maradona. Sure. Diego Maradona. Yeah. I didn't see Pele play, and then, yeah. obviously, if people want to say Pele. But my mum yeah. told me about Pele. My yeah. relatives, my uncles, and people in the manor who were about 10 years ago told me about Pele. They saw 1970. But to win the, F the World Cup on your own, yeah. where you had a very, very, just probably above average opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You remember yeah. red players like Valdano. Borachaga yeah. and Valdano. But apart from that, they were functional players. But Maradona yeah. won that World Cup on his own. Remember, mm. he got he, you know, he got set off against Brazil when he kicked Bastista. <laughs> when they lost three one at Argentina, and you know he got marked out. He had about five five players marking him when they lost the first game in nine eighty two to Belgium. But nine eighty six, that that goal gets England. The second goal, come Different on, club. the way yeah. the way he gets his back the goal and he pirouettes, and then all of a sudden Peter Reid is jogging, doesn't think yeah. Maradona is going to get near him, and he turns as a yeah. turn of pace. Piao goes by Peter Reed, goes past Terry Fennick, goes past Butcher, puts the ball in. Forget the handball. It's not, it's, you know, we all yeah. knew he had, at, at first, yeah. sort of, at first, when he went up and put up, you know, put the header past Shilton, I didn't think it was handball. I actually thought that yeah, Peter Shilton was so slow and that he got, it was a header. It was only afterwards when we realised that he beat Peter Shilton because Peter Shilton, uh, you know, was, wasn't quick enough and he put ball, ball in with his hand but Peter Shilton should have taken him out yeah he should have yeah 100%. he was too slow coming off his line that's the fact if Peter Shilton came out and basically done a sort of um, Harold Schumacher on him yeah I remember that you know that, yeah. wouldn't have probably would have gone in front with the you know the second goal that uh, Maradona scored, but the hand of God should never happen because Peter Schilt was too slow coming out of his yeah. um, goal. But then again, so we got Argentina. Then look what he did. Look what he did at Napoli. Napoli didn't Ooh. win anything. Yes. He won the league. Serie A was dominated by Juventus and the Melinese clubs. 
He won it on his own in 87 and 1990. To go to Serie A after, you know, he got, you know, he got kicked out of um, Spain, kicked off the pitch in Spain, you know, you know, like, um, I think, who was it? Who was it? Um, uh, Gokochia of, um, yes. um, you know, it was a, um, Spanish centre half called um, Gokochia, a butcher yeah. of um, Bilbao, basically broke his legs in two places. Gokochia, you know, and then obviously he didn't he didn't get on with Terry Venables when he got the job. So he went to Napoli in '84. You know, he started building a little side around him, but he won that on his own. So for yeah. me, being alive when Diego Maradona was his prime, I thank God. I yeah, thank 100%. God. Yeah, Ken. I'm gonna read off some. I'm gonna I'm gonna read off some names, but there's one guy. I, it might surprise a few people, but um, I remember mm. seeing him play. But people like, listen, there's some really gifted footballers like the two Croatian boys, Prozanecki and Boban. Um, yeah, very, very good players. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, well, Boban started off started the um the Nothing. actual. It, well, Boban started was basically like one of the catalysts for the war in um in the Balkans because you obviously, you know um. Zagreb were playing, um, I think, with Red Star Belgrade. And um, one of the, I think, a fan, a, a Zagreb fan went around on the pitch and one of the Serbian um, policemen went went to break up and Boban kicked him in the back and ran off. And that was kind of the prelude to the war in which Yugoslavia, yeah. probably one of the best Yugoslavian teams in 92, couldn't compete in the 92 uh, European Championships. And guess what happened? Denmark, the team that yeah. went off the pitch, Denmark went and won it. Yeah, but Yugoslavia mad, would have won the best teams in Europe. But yeah, yeah, yeah Prozanecki, great player, got it, probably um, suffered from injuries towards the end of his career. But yeah, yeah. but you know, Boban, you know, when he was at um, Zagreb and Milan, pff, top player, top yeah. player. The two Italian boys, obviously Totti and Del Piero. Um... Oh, Totti, oh my god, Del Piero, <laughs> Del Piero, one of those players. He, he had natural ability, but he worked hard as well. Yeah, you know and defender wise. Defender wise, Kenny, one of my favorites. Like Maldini obviously is in there, but Lillian Turan for me was immense. Yeah. But one started of the, out right yeah. back, but then later careers like centre back. But yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but one of the best marks you'll ever see in, in, in football is Barazzi. He's yeah. only five foot ten. But but one thing is is that he, he can mark you out the game, he can read the game, he's a bloody good pass of the ball. Yeah, underrated, he's quite good in the air. And you know, one of the things is is that one of the things he didn't act, like Alan Hansen, he didn't he didn't go to ground when he tackled. Yeah. No, well, no, he's very good. Um, and I would say, obviously, I've always said Zidane for me is the one of the best players I've seen personally. I thought yeah. he was fantastic. Um, came into Era '96 with a big billion, as I mentioned before, but didn't have a great tournament. I think he was French football of the year that year. He won. Bordeaux got to the um, UEFA Cup, which they lost, yeah. and obviously. Played every game, so by the time um, the Euro '96 was in England, Good he looked he, he knackered. Him and Jokiev looked knackered, but yeah. it was quite an interesting thing because Eric Cantona and Ginola got left out of the French yes. squad because they were they were promoting um, players like Jokiev, Dugarry, yeah. and Zidane, and they wanted to move away from. Because remember that time when France should have qualified for '94, somehow they lost to Bul Israel and Bulgaria at home. And you know, yeah. so players like Ginola, who got blamed for um, the giving the ball away against Bulgaria, yeah. they some of them never play for the you know prominently for the national side again. Because mm. remember, Gerard Houllier was their uh, was the manager the that man one for yeah. France. Mm. And one player, Lakes Kenny, before, yeah, one player before we finish up on I, 
a lot of maybe some of the younger audience in the chat when they watch this back. Um, and I would say Italian guy. I would say yeah. if I was to look at an English player mm. who's the equivalent, I would say Matt Letitia. You might agree, but uh, Roberto Mancini was a good player, man. Mancini was a fantastic player. Yeah, there was a time when there was a time when um, Sampadoria won the Serie A in '91, where he had a good, um, where it was him, Lombardo was oh, playing, and you had that. Yeah. I think you had, um, I think Cerezo played, and then you yeah. had, um, in, and then you had players like um, Viali mm. alongside him. So that yes. season, they smashed, they smashed a granny out of um, AC Milan and International <laughs> in the San Siro. Yeah. So that was an excellent side with Lombardo, you know, Viali, um, Mancini, and yeah. you know they they were there on the bench when Italy won their uh, Euro right. twenty twenty. Yeah. I still don't understand how Italy have not qualified for a World Cup. A World Cup back to back, Italy, back to two back World, World Cups to Italy yeah. doesn't unthinkable, isn't it? But yeah, yeah Mancini, Sampdoria, ninety one. That's where I remember him from, and alongside Viali. Yeah, no, top top player, man. But no, Kenny, man, firstly, thank you for coming on. And great knowledge, man. Fantastic knowledge. People in the chat, smash the like button. Like I said, thank you for tuning in. Um, Kenny, um, quick thoughts um, about Arsenal before we wrap up, mate. Um, top, top well, four. we're in a team possession. We've got yep. to keep winning. We've got to keep winning. 100%. You know, it's a lot closer than people think because, you know, yeah. even though we won all those games, we've had to come from behind. So, you know, one of the things we, one of the things is obviously Man United have got um, competitive games. They've got Liverpool, which is going to be hard for them away. They've got Chelsea at home, but Man, and then they've got us. Man United are Jekyll on our side. They can easily win all those games because of the ability, natural ability of their players on their day, or they can get get um, marginalised. Spurs, the only difficult they game they got is Liverpool away. North London, the reason why I'm not mentioning us because our record against um, Tottenham at White Lane is wretched. Our record at Stamford Bridge, apart from last season, is wretched as well. So yeah. it's going to go down to the wire, especially if we drop points against the May United at home, um, Spurs away and Chelsea. I don't really... I do have fears and concerns about Spurs and Chelsea away. Yeah. So really, really, we have to win those games. Crystal Palace... It's going to be very difficult as well. They've got some very good players, good attacking players. Lisa, I know he's, he, he got taken out the, the um, young French under-21 squad because I think he's got a leg injury, but I'm sure he'll be fit tomorrow. But yeah. if we win the midfield battle next week, we win the game comfortably. Because I do yeah. I do think it's Crystal Palace in midfield. Obviously, they've got... Um, they're, for me, they're they don't, yeah, yeah, they've got attacking players, but who's going to get the ball to them? So we, if we win that midfield battle... we. That that's where we we got to be very very you know careful in the midf in the midfield when we're playing against them and also defensively they 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 can be kanakazi although they got Gay um, yeah. who's come from Chelsea and I've got Tarek Mitchell you know Northwest London boys playing well so if yeah, they really get well, it together really well. and mm. and and you know play as a team and get that we're gonna they, we're gonna find a very difficult beat but if we win the midfield battle I think we can win this it'll be a, a very very Stress, stressful game. Your heart, your blood pressure is going to go up. It'd be quite yeah. exciting, actually. Yeah, but it could go either way: three-one Arsenal or or a draw. Yeah, I think we get a point, Kenny. Can mate? I wouldn't be moaning that, but I've, yeah, I, yeah. Listen, to go to Selhurst Park and get the three points would be fantastic. But I think we might get a point, mate. But that's not being negative. That's well, just they should have smashed us at the Emirates. They, they absolutely mullered the Emirates. Yeah, I think got, that, got away with one there. 
Uh, one thing I say, if Thomas Party isn't fit, then we, we won't get top four. Keep him fit. Everyone talks about Odegaard, rightly so. Everyone talks about Saka. But Partey is a player that gives all those players a platform. Every, mm. I mean, there's a few pork chops. I say it nicely. You think Grant Jack is a midfield. He, he, he stopped being a midfield years ago. And he certainly is. He, he certainly now is a junior part of a midfield. It's Thomas Partey. You know, yeah. since he's, you know, got the grass for our football, he's been our best player. And quite quietly, I think that every player in our dressing room would appreciate him and realise that, you know, when he's not in the team, we, um, our team looks weaker, our midfield looks weaker, and we don't have the platform to win football matches. So we've got to keep him in cotton wool. I'm not saying it's going to be a massive loss. It's not going to be a massive loss if we lose early goal or other players. But Thomas Partey is... The glue, the fulcrum that keeps it all together. Keep, tick, we lose tick, him tick with the way he's playing at the moment. We lose yeah. momentum and the top falls in jeopardy. Mm. He's that good. No, well, no, well said, man. Kenny, like I said, man, thanks for coming on, man. Great. No, I enjoyed myself. You know what I mean? No, come on. No, London Nigerians, man, do your bit. Ebo boys, come on. <laughs> yeah, stick it together, bro. 100%. Ebos. Man, love you. Yeah, man. Alabra State, Emo State, come on, do your yeah, bit. Yeah, 100%, man. We'll, we'll, we'll link up soon, definitely. People, I'll put this on my audio. Like I said, follow Kenny Ken on Twitter, Instagram's going on the bottom of the screen. Um, pick his knowledge, pick his brains, man. Got a lot to say. He's been very knowledgeable. But people, that is me. Well, the whole- some yeah, people say that like, I, I talk too much on podcasts, and that <laughs> I, I, I think that I've, I'm too important. I think they're on. I think they're on the channels you go on. Um, Lee Judges' channel. Nice. Listen, this is this, this is called this is called life stories for a reason, man. We want to hear everything, Kenny. Oh, fair, about fair enough. All right. I, so I, I can get carried away myself. All right, fair, that's good. All right, no problem. No, that's no, great, man. I'm looking forward to putting this on the audio. But uh, people. Your host, Albert JTV, subscribe, like the channel. And um, that is Life Stories, episode 12, over and out, people.